I'm making an executive decision. Uh oh. We're moving into the summer. I think this summer we're gonna cover just summer movies. Summer movies slash kids in danger. Sweep the lick. You have a problem with that. Welcome to the Project Gen X Retro Summer Series 2022. Sarah, beware. I have been generous up until now, but I can be cruel. Starting in May and ending in August, we will review the summer movies from our youth that include Tron. I still don't understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these memories is the evidence. If I got in far enough, I could reconstruct it. Adventures in Babysitting. Don't fuck with the babysitter. The Goonies. Don't say that. Never say that. Goonies never say die. Back to the Future. Whoa, this is heavy. There's that word again. Heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? What? And so much more. We talked into the night. The kind of talk that seemed important until you discover girls. If I can only have one food for the rest of my life, that's easy. Pass. Cherry flavor pass. Along the way, we will also sprinkle in some non-movie goodness that will remind us what it was like to be a kid when the socks were high, the shorts were extra short, and there wasn't a cell phone to be seen. E.T. phone home. E.T. phone home. Who wants to call somebody? So sit back and join Big Dave, Barry, and myself, Alan Smith, to relive the magic of the 80s and the retro summer. Welcome back to the Project Gen X podcast. What was that? I'm one of your hosts, Alan Smith, along with the other guy, Big Dave. And I'm Barry. And on this episode, we are going to be covering the 1982 movie, E.T. Uh, before we get into this, I only have one thing to say. And that was one of the noises that Dead oh, Richard made I know. in the movie. I'm glad I really only have one thing to say about this movie. Yeah. What? Turn on your hot light. Oh, really? <laughs> you went Neil Diamond on us. He I, loves Neil Diamond. I you love never Neil go Diamond. full Neil Diamond. I never love Neil Diamond. Diamond. I fucking hate that song. Okay. <laughs> I love Neil Diamond. I love all the kitsch and everything about Neil Diamond, oh. but I hate that song with the passion. There's a, there's a lot to hate. Oh, there man, is a it's lot terrible. <laughs> so, anyways, Barry, all right, start go, telling us about some let's stuff. Let's go over the stats on this one. E.T., the extra testicle, a terrestrial, <laughs> excuse me, sorry. That was the porn version, sorry. Oh, dude. Uh, <laughs> oh, good I lord, love, it's going to be one of those. I, oh, yeah. Uh, I love all the memes where it's it's a, it's a it's a still shot of of whatever mm-hmm. horror parody porn whatever's like I think I downloaded the wrong video the wrong movie <laughs> you know? and it's what, was it rule forty seven or something uh, yeah. it's rule. Th- 32. Uh, 32. No, 32 of the internet. That yeah. <laughs> if there's a fandom, there's porn. Yes, basically. You know, it's a. All right. So this one, of course, was directed by Big Stevie Cool himself, Steven Spielberg. Yep. Um, it's not written by him, though. No, it was written by Melissa Matheson. Yes. Sure. And she if is most famous so. for writing The Black Stallion. Really? Yes. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Now Produced that by. This. 
Spielberg as mm-hmm. well as Kathleen Kennedy. Yep. You might know I, that I name. Saw, I saw that name in the Kathleen movie. Kennedy mm-hmm. produced Gremlins. She produced a ton yes. of crap ton of stuff. Oh, absolutely. Music. Well, by, didn't she? It's used with Disney now, right? I believe so. Yeah, yes. that's yeah. It's or one of one of the studio. Like she's a big wig in one oh, of the yeah. studios. So. Music by, of course, if it's Steven Spielberg, it's going to be John Williams. It's still. Yeah, uh, just still one of the most amazing. That that score when, when it hits. Oh, when yeah. a scene we'll talk no, about no, later. No it's just like, oh yeah, this um, right in the feels, you know. Produced by Amlin Entertainment, Steven course, Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, direct, uh, distributed by Universal. Released in the U.S. It was actually this debuted at Con, and it was released at Con in May 26th of '82, but it debuted in the United States in June 11th. Turn on your hotline now. Before I get into the cast, I have to hit this one because this was mind blowing to okay. me. The, Which one? The budget on okay. this movie oh, okay. was okay. thirty and a half million dollars. Oh, this movie made what two hundred on no. its initial release? No, more than that. No. Box office totals for E.T. the Extraterrestrial. You want to take a guess, Dave? This is domestic or worldwide? This is total. No, okay. I don't want. I would screw this up. Seven hundred and ninety-two million. I know it was the. It, it at one time it was the large. It was the yes. biggest box office. It beat office. Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I almost leaned into the mic and did the Doctor Evil. One billion. You were close. You'd be no, Doctor Mil- Doctor Evil would have been one million dollars. Uh, there was a movie he did the one billion. Yep. They're like they laughed at me. So like, there's not that, that much, much in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so the cast. Here we go. Playing Mary Taylor, the mom, top build, yeah, which surprised me because well, if you she think is. About it, she there wasn't a, really, you know, she's a supporting character, but she was the biggest actress I, well, in well, this cast at the time, except for Peter Coyote. At the time, you have to remember, uh, Peter Coyote was huge. Yeah, but in the he didn't really 80s. hit late because uh, this was eighty two. So, yeah. and, and Dee Wallace, you know, the 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 actress that played Mary had been in several movies before. One in which maybe one day, yes, when we have a behind a paywall or something if we ever get to that point right. i will tell you my d wallace story <laughs> okay uh, or d wallace stone if you want to get technical yeah but um d wallace brown at one point also, i don't I know think, so. i do know that she was the star of one of well, my she was in the howling my little sister's absolute favorite yeah. movies of all time cujo she was in cujo yeah she was in a ton of stuff yes um, and playing, Rob Zombie loves putting her in his movies well, now, yeah. so. <laughs> oh yeah as, as you should um playing elliot taylor Yes, Elliot. Henry Thomas, made famous in one of our earlier episodes on Cloak and Dagger. He was in Cloak and Dagger. Uh, Plating Agent Keys, the FBI agent, mm-hmm. was Peter Coyote. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that is most notable for us is Jagged Edge. That was a huge the January Man. January Man's I mean, another he big was, one. He was, Peter Coyote was like in that... Okay. Let me let me let me let me use my words here. He's, he's okay. a hey, it's that guy. He's not just a hey, it's that guy. You have to remember that, like in the late seventies and into the into the early mid eighties, okay, like that eighty three, eighty four, somewhere around in there. Peter Coyote was kind of everywhere, mm-hmm. and he, I said, kind of everywhere, but he always plays, and even in this movie, it's the same thing. He always plays a stiff that. Sensitive 1970s AM radio AOR. 
I listened to way too much um, Christopher you know, Dan, Cross. Dan Fogelberg, and now I'm a massive pussy. You know, uh, wow, play, I wouldn't uh, have gone that far. I, I was about to say you uh, went a little further than I would have, <laughs> but all right. That, but he always plays that role, and he plays it in this movie as well. So okay. it's a, well, only in like the last fourth of it because he's barely in the yeah, first part. So he he's just like tooling around in the first the, scene. The first and a little three later. fourths, he's just walking around as a set of keys. Yeah, and a, pretty much. And oh, a belt, pretty well, much. That's, that's why his name was Keys. There you yeah. go. Um, so. Uh, Michael Taylor, the older brother, mm-hmm. was played by an actor named Robert McNaughton. Uh, the biggest thing that I could find him from was a movie called I Am the Cheese. I don't know I'm not familiar with it, but um, it was a big deal for him. Playing the little sister, Gertie Taylor. Some person named Drew Barrymore. Yes. I think she came from a... Was this her first or second? Uh, this was her first, first. because from Firestar this, came got, out shortly after. Okay, this, that's two wicked Firestarter. Right now, something I did, I found She's out that I doctor. was not aware of. <laughs> she is the godmother to Francis Bean. I knew that, that doesn't surprise me in the slice. I know her and Courtney were pretty tight. In one point. I had no idea that she was um, Francis Cobain's uh, godmother. My still one of my favorite all time Drew Barrymore things that she ever did was when after this when she hosted SNL. Mm-hmm. And they had that scene where, like, she's backstage open. I think it was, like, before the opening monologue or whatever, and she's crying backstage. Uh-oh. And they're like, oh, are you okay? You know, she's like, I'm just scared. You know, I'm so scared. You know, go out in front of the live audience and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, can we get you a milk? And all of a sudden she goes, I'm a Barrymore. I'll have scotch and water. There you go. <laughs> well, her appearance on Letterman where she flashes well, but Letterman. That's, yeah. Yeah, well, we're talking about, like, a five-year-old. Yeah, like, oh, I'm no. a Barrymore. I'll have scotch and water. Nice. Um, <laughs> Which, again, if you go back and look at Lionel Barrymore, Oh, Lionel Barrymore, uh, uh, John I Barrymore. But, I but mean, Lionel Barrymore, pick, they you know? he was Mr. Potter in yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. He yeah. played the heavy in a lot of stuff. Look up there. John Barrymore. Oh, I know. Sometime, I you know. know. So, so um, there were and uh, they were hard, hard drinkers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of people in this movie that had had smaller roles in other movies. Um, Sean Fry plays. Uh, and can we say Stein, that Jay Fife. Barrymore might be the ultimate, like? Yeah, you know, oh, like, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, what's the worst the word I'm looking for? The mom, uh, the um, the backstage, the you know, what I'm gonna talk, you know, what am I trying? Stage, stage mom. mom, thank you. I mean, God, what a piece of work. Anyway, oh, yeah. go ahead. So, um, you know, like I said, there was a lot of smaller parts in this. Sean Fry uh, played Steve. He's been in the movie for keeps. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were two notable small roles where I don't know if this was their first role. Or if this was Talking one about of Tom the Howell, see Thomas <laughs> no, Howell. No, no, he is credited in the credits. It says Tom, Tom Howell. Howell. That's all it says. Tyler, uh, it, again from another episode that we had mentioned before, right. it was from the movie Red Dawn. Well, he was in a bunch of stuff. Yes, uh, yeah. And one of my well, he was in Soul Man. Come on, he was in Soul Man. This is true. <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> small bit cameos. This was her first appearance. Erica Aleniak. Erica Aleniak plays yes. Pretty Girl. And I, you know, I saw her and I was like. I think that's yeah. her. And then yeah. I went and looked up on that. I was like, oh, yeah, that is her. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, go back and watch the movie Under Siege. Oh, well, no, look. She was in the first season of Baywatch when it was on NBC yes. before it went syndicated. Mm-hmm. She was in Under Siege. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a Playboy Playmate. Yep, um, two-time. I think something like that. Yeah. yeah, but it's one of those things where, like, she's been in a bunch of stuff. I mean, like, oh, she yeah. was in a bunch yeah. of stuff over the years. Um, think, like, Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. Yeah, she was on that as uh, well. Something like that. But, uh, she, was, uh, she was definitely on there. The other cameo, or I should say the vocal cameo on this, that I wasn't aware of, one of the voices for E.T. Mm-hmm. was Deborah Winger. Yep. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. There were three people who voiced it over, and it was her and Steven Spielberg and Pat Walsh. Yes. 
And at one time, they they had Deborah Winger doing the voice of ET, and I've seen interviews with her doing the voice. So I was I was stunned. I was like, okay, so you're telling me the lady from Officer and a Gentleman was ET? Cool. Be good. Okay, so before we get into all of this, yep, and I will put a link to it in the show notes. There is a wonderful YouTube video of mm-hmm. this. The three of us, but if you're, if you're Gen X, you listen, you know what I'm talking about. The, the satanic panic that yes. happened back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. There was this one idiot that was going, that was like, and it was a video that was circulating around about, you know, like all this stuff that's in mainstream movies that blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. E.T. is in this thing. <laughs> and when asked, no, no, when asked about it, he said, well, yeah, the biggest, the biggest things that are here is cross-dressing. Seriously? Yes. Uh, no, alien cross-dressing. No, no, no. No, just cross-dressing. <laughs> Remote viewing. Okay. I, and homosexuality. Where does homosexuality Two of come those, I can go, okay, I get that. The third one, I'm like, I don't know what movie you watched. I was about to but say. Just he, like, he downloaded <laughs> the wrong movie. I, yeah, in 1983. So. <laughs> and, and we have to talk about the fact that... Um, E.T. is a Jedi, or at least a Force user. Well, he does show up, but we'll get to that. Well, yeah, there, there's oh, there's so much to say about that. So. All right. Uh, do you have your synopsis ready? I do. Oh, God. I'm, I'm going to go for coffee. Let me know Buckle how it in, goes. baby. Buckle in. The movie opens on aliens from another planet in the <laughs> woods of California collecting specimens of the local, flora, local flora. Are we sure that's not Oregon? Yeah. When suddenly the U.S. government arrives with guns determined to collect their own specimen. But the aliens escape in their ship, leaving behind one of their crew. But the, at the same time, Mike and his friends are in an epic game of D&D, but will not let their little brother Elliot play. Tasked with meeting the pizza guy, Elliot hears a noise in the shed and is scared when he throws his baseball into the shed and it's thrown back to him. Upon investigation, Mike determines that it's a coyote and the matter is closed. Until the next night when Elliot hears the noise again and investigates the cornfield only to see an extraterrestrial. No one believes Elliot, so he takes it upon himself to use a Reese's Pieces to lure said extraterrestrial back to his room. Over the next few days, Elliot, Mike, and his little sister Gertie befriend E.T., and shenanigans ensue. But, just like everything good in life, the government can't let people be happy. On Halloween, E.T. and and the kids form a plan to contact E.T.'s home planet. After Elliot doesn't come home, the authorities are called. Elliot finally does come home, but he is sick and E.T. is missing. Mike finds E.T. with Rocket Raccoon in a drainage ditch, and they finally reveal him to their, to their mom. But, but just then, every Gen Xer was taught a valuable lesson that the U.S. government will arrive at your home with guns and the full force of the alphabet organizations. I'm sure there were 87,000 new IRS agents just off camera auditing the shit out of everyone in that neighborhood at gunpoint <laughs> to take what they want, and there isn't a fucking thing you can do about it. And they quarantine the house. Just like every Steven Spielberg movie, he makes all the kids in the theater cry their eyes out as E.T. dies, but then miraculously resurrects himself because glowy heart. Uh, The kids then concoct a plan to get E.T. to the contact site. And and chased by government 
agents with guns and narrowly escaped because E.T. has the magical power of bicycle levitation. The aliens return and E.T. goes home as the family watches and were never heard from again because there's no place to escape from the government agents with guns who now know that aliens exist and are pissed off that these kids helped one escape the planet before they could dissect it and reverse engineer all of this technology to make better weapons to beat those damn Russian commies and never abuse that superior power when dealing with their own citizens ever again. With guns. But in an alternate, totally unrealistic reality from 2002, no one's breath smells of penis and a kinder, gentler U.S. government uses walkie-talkies and flashlights instead of guns. <laughs> I, like, I like how you worked that, uh, the walkie-talkie bit in there, too. It was a nice touch. By the way, mm-hmm. I had to rent this on Vudu <laughs> to be able to, to watch it again. Uh-huh. And in the version on Vudu... When they're getting ready to go over the cars, there were no walkie-talkies or oh, flashlights. Oh, I know. I have an original. It was dude. They they cocks was, that shotgun yeah. right as they're coming it up. Was, on, I, know. I counted it's, at least five or six different shotguns. Every single agent has a when when okay when they find the abandoned um, uh, van at yeah. the playground. Right. Every single agent that runs up has got a thirty-eight special in his hand. Yep. Every single one of them. And because the mom, the mom yells, no guns, they're just children. Okay. This is the movie when I was eight years old that told me, do not trust the fucking government because they will come to your house with guns and take whatever they want. Oh my God. It took you that long to figure that out? I was eight. Come on. All right. Fair. fair. All right. There's a lot to unpack in this movie. So let's go ahead and get going on this. Um, first off, let's talk about the Reese's Pieces. That's one okay. of my favorite Reese's Pieces were about to be discontinued because yeah. they were not selling. So, do you know why? Because Eminem did not want to be associated with the movie. <laughs> they thought that e- they actually, when they viewed the movie, they thought that the character of E.T. was going to terrify children. Correct. And they and wanted I see nothing that. to do with okay? it. Okay. We will they get into all their of hands it. of it. So, at that point, Mars kind of just, you know, they said, no, we're not going to have mm-hmm. any of our products associated with this movie. So then the guys at Amblin reached out to another candy manufacturer, which just happened to be Reese's, that had just released, I think, the year before. The year prior, and they weren't selling for anything. No, nobody whatsoever. wanted them because it was just an odd thing. So I'd, I'd never heard of them before this. Exactly. Yeah, most people hadn't. And then when they brought those out. And it's out, really funny because they're only on screen for just 30 seconds-ish or so. I mean, they're, um, they're, 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 they're used a couple of times. They are, but, but it's really in that open, like, after he the bag. sees him the first Once time, you, you see, see the, the bag, bag yeah. and he goes out, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then and then when he's going to get him into the house, you see him luring him I actually those. But then after that, they're gone. I actually partially part. blame this movie for my type 2 diabetes <laughs> and Reese's Pieces. All right. Uh, you're not I wrong. want to you're say something definitively right now. Yes. It is Reese's Pieces, not Reese's Pieces. Okay? <laughs> that irritate, irritates the absolute fuck out of me when I hear there people say still Reese's people Pieces. saying Reese's Pieces. Oh my God, do they? Yep. I know. Because I used to slap people for that. That just is. For, they'd, they'd say Reese's Pieces, and I'd slap them and be like, say it correctly. Yeah, it's Reese's yep. Pieces. So there, um, that was. And unfortunately, those ungodly things are still available because I had had some like oh. last year at Halloween. They still taste terrible. Oh, right? I disagree. Screw They're you. one of my favorite things on the planet. Screw you, Alan. And you are outvoted, sir. Uh, Look, but uh, I, I think peanut butter is one of the most perfect foods that has ever been invented. Okay, but I do not like that sugar Outers, peanut butter that yeah. that they use in all of that stuff. 
Uh, that is just too much. Reese's is one of my um, favorite. Candy. I'm down so with you. You 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 can bite me. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm I gotta side with Dave on this one. So that was one of the product placements. There was a lot of other oh, little dude, ones. They were there. everywhere. I know. Thing. <laughs> Coors, Coors, Coors. Don't forget Coors. Okay. Um, Star Wars. <laughs> There's so Star Wars many little elements on this mm-hmm. now. Uh, oh, John Wayne. Uh, yeah. Um. The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, he's got a poster on his wall, and he also has a light switch. This Incredible yeah. Hulk. Oh, that's right. I yeah, about the light switch. You know, the cover on the light switch. So, so just to, you know, kind of segueing from that into the casting on this. Now, the casting on this was really interesting. I found out a couple of things that that I wasn't aware of. Uh, first off, you know how I love to find who was initially going to be cast in the movies. Initially cast as Elliot was Ralph Macchio. No. And I just, I can't see that working. I mean, great. Too old for one thing. Well, in 82, he wasn't. In 82, you know, he and Henry Thomas were pretty close to the same age. You're right. Um, Think about it. Two years later, he was, he was um, Daniel LaRusso. I mean, that's. This would have been about the 23. Yeah. Well, but this would have been right around the time of the Outsiders. So I guess. Yeah, but you're talking about a two year difference here. I mean, that's, I mean, that's. uh, Um, we talked a little bit about Pat Walsh or Welsh, excuse me, doing the <laughs> doing the um, the voice as long with Spielberg <laughs> and with uh, Deborah Winger. Um, the funny thing is, Walsh was paid three hundred eighty bucks for that whole movie. Three hundred eighty dollars. Yep, makes that that sounds about right. Did he get a point of the marketing? Nope. That's too that bad on his. Point. Did the government come to his house with guns and take that three hundred eighty dollars because it <laughs> total? Now there is a cameo that was not used in this movie. Okay, um, there isn't a version of it, and you can see it on like the DVD versions, but it's never actually been released. Harrison Ford. Plays oh, I remember Elliot's teacher. I remember hearing about that. Yes. Screw that guy. I remember hearing about. I've I've seen that video because uh, it's on it's on YouTube. You can see it. Yep. It's like yeah. There's a whole scene with like you know E. T. Elevating Elliot, you know, off the floor. And, it's really you know, funny. It's odd. Like with the teacher, you never see the teacher's face. Okay, mm-hmm. and then later. Well, there's a reason for that. There, there's ahead. there's several of those. Like later, when the, the cops at the house, whenever yep. Elliot's missing, you never see the, yep. the well, cops' face. Yep. You know, I mean, it's my, a, Renee kind of got in on yeah. watching the movie with me last night, and she made she brought up a very valid point that until they have Elliot and ET in the isolation tent, you see the only adult that you see a face of Wallace is, is D. Yeah, Wallace. It's true, and everybody else is from the shoulders down. Yes, mm-hmm. do you know why? Faceless. Well, probably for pay. Nope. Nope. I found this out, and I had to do some digging to find this out for this very thing. Steven Spielberg was a huge fan of Tex Avery. Okay. And in Tex Avery cartoons, if you, you never see the adults, you never see the adults' faces. You always see them from like the waist down. Right, or the, right. You can the hear their voice, down. but you never yeah. see the face. And that's yeah. what he wanted okay. to inflict is that I got the idea of, from a child's point of view, you're not going to really be paying attention to an adult's face. You're yeah. going to be seeing them from your point, your, your vision but, level. But so. she was also made the point that when they're in the isolation tent working on the two of them, yep. you suddenly see all their faces, but they're all behind a mask. Mm-hmm. And it's not and, until, until they e. take them off. Until, right. Not until E.T. E. dies, dies right. yep. that they take them off. Kind of humanizing them. Kind of humanizing them. Yeah. But then when... They're e. not e. humans. And, <laughs> and then when E.T. comes back to life and they go to escape him, the kids on the bikes suddenly mask up. Yes. 
pulled like the hood over his mask and cinched up this. The, One of them puts on his terrorist costume from the night before. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah. So, and then they don't actually, and they're kind of in a state of disbelief that this can't be happening. And it's not right. until they see ET coming off the back of the van that they unmask. Yeah. Right. Right. I guess so. That. Now, something else that I found about the production of this movie that it was just completely mind-blowing to me this is one of the most iconic movies of all time i think it's safe to say absolutely yeah i think it's like number five or number six on sale you know all-time box box office sales in history uh, it's, with it's inflation yes yeah. but the thing is is there's been so many movies that have gone over a billion dollars in the last decade well i know it's up there yeah i, I think it's still in the top 10 or 15 i would way. definitely say that this one inflation it's definitely near the top yeah, I mean, on, on a cost per day mm-hmm. this has it beat all the way around oh i don't doubt it this entire movie was made in two months hmm. 61 days to make this movie which was yeah. actually four days below schedule that will explain why this movie kind of jumps from point to point from time to time it, <laughs> is so. a it also points to a very good production department that had everything planned out well into pre-production right 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 and since we're already talking about the monies let's talk about the monies for a minute on this thing the opening weekend or the opening day on this 11 million in 82 dollars which is three times that now yeah wait how much how much it cost to make the movie it was 30 million so it made it made, it a, made third a, of, a third of its money back on its opening day. day. Opening day. Yeah, that's what I said uh, on yeah, its no. first day. On no. the second weekend on this, it actually recorded the highest grossing second weekend of all time. The record prior to that was set by or was set at ten million seven hundred and sixty five thousand dollars. Wanna take a guess what the movie Star was? Star Wars. Charles. Superman two. Oh, okay. Superman two set it in eighty one. Um in 83, it actually surpassed Star Wars to become the highest grossing film of all time. And by the end of the theatrical run, it had uh, grossed 393, excuse me, $359 million and $619 worldwide. Jeez. It's just insane. It's been said... It was a force. That there were over that. 120 million tickets sold to this movie. That doesn't surprise me. How would you like to have been a fly at the table when Lucas and Spielberg had dinner after E.T. surpassed Star Wars money-wise? I'll do you one better. Spielberg, it's been estimated that he made approximately $500,000 a day because of this off film. this movie. <laughs> a day, boys. Well, you know about, going back to Lucas, when... Because Lucas was in production of Star Wars at the same time Spielberg yep. was in production of Close Encounters in the Third Kind. Yeah, and Spielberg, Lucas, there's a there's a story that that has been corroborated that Lucas was really not happy during production of Star Wars because it wasn't going the way he wanted to, and of course the the Fox was just not. They were like, have you ever yeah, heard of a going, story where Lucas know, is happy but, about anything? But it was also True. one of those things where Fox was just like, oh, wow, we really shit the bed on this one. We'll just, mm-hmm. this is going to be a loss. We'll just write it off for, you know, whatever. But Steven Spielberg came to the set and was like, and was, you know, was and everything. And he brought dailies from uh, Close Encounters with him. And yeah. they were sitting and watching. And Lucas was really just like, dude, your movie is amazing. Like, it's going to be so much bigger than starting this movie that I'm making, blah, blah, blah. And Spielberg was like, no, 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 no. What you're doing is going to be huge. You don't, you just don't realize it yet. Right. So they agreed 
to give each other points on both movies. Yeah, they kind of broke even from each other on that, you know. Spielberg made because, out on Star Wars because of the the points that he got on Star Wars for nothing more than just saying no this movie's going to be big has made somewhere in the range of 25 to 30 million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. And don't get me wrong, Insane. Encounters is a great movie. I love Close Encounters. But that movie did not blow up. It didn't no. it, it had a long tail, but it yeah. did not blow up. Of course, Star Wars was a phenomenon. There yeah. there's a difference. Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, uh, well, Close Encounters did well. Star Wars was a phenomenon. And, and then so. E.T. comes around and surpasses Exactly. Yeah. And so, it, it kind of going back under the numbers here really quick, something that just is mind-blowing to me. This was the highest grossing movie of all time up until 1993 when Jurassic Park mm-hmm. usurped it, which it just so happens Steven to be another Steven Spielberg movie. I know, I know, I know. It's just it's Lucas unreal. hasn't had crap since Star Wars. Uh, the VHS cassette. Which is funny because... Um, All I'm going to say is Howard the Duck. Hey, I, hey, I get hey. But it's one of my it's favorites. It's funny you say that because, you know, the the Force Awakens is actually one of the top five grossing movies of all time. Yeah, but Which I know it's Disney now. It's not yeah. Lucas. Unfortunately, still, Lucas was the one who wrote the dialogue for well, that. Then, yeah. Anyway, we won't get into all The VHS cassette, <laughs> which you owned, I owned, yeah. everybody owned. Over six million rentals mm-hmm. of was just that cassette alone. Okay. And it held the record until Batman. Yes. So the thing about that VHS of E.T., mm-hmm. E.T. was released in 82. Yep. That video cassette wasn't released until years later. 85. It was, I know. Yeah. And it was it was a huge deal. I remember it being a huge deal. Oh, yeah, because everybody, everybody was like, I'm sorry, 88. 88. 88. As you were yeah. saying, yeah, I thought it was a little later. I remember it being a huge deal because it had never been officially released. Now, we had you a copy get a of it bootleg because cause well, you recorded it off of HBO. HBO. Exactly, yeah. you know, and, you know, that type of stuff. But um, I have to say, I went to the theater and saw this movie. Who didn't? And then, well, especially with the box office it made. But I did not see this movie again for a couple of years. And it was a whole recording on yeah. HBO type stuff. And I oh, think yeah. it was watching it at school. Like, we, one of the end of the year type thing, so you I know. Can, I can tell you exactly. And I have not, and I'll be honest, until last night, I have mm-hmm. not seen this movie. Yeah, it's then. it's it's more of a an event. You see it, it hits you. It's not necessarily something you're going to rewatch a lot of. I remember when this movie came out that they actually... For people that got to go see it and you know the the first runs on mm-hmm. it, they would sell little buttons or give you little buttons that said "I saw ET." Right, right. right. Um, actually, one of my exes had one of those for when she went to go see it. Oh, that's that was, cool. You know, prized possession. But they really did a good job of the marketing on this movie when it first oh, came out. They marketed the crap out of this. Not movie. just oh, yeah. the not just the promotions of the movie, but. Everything. Can we talk about the promotional materials? For Go right minutes? ahead. Go right ahead. One billion dollars in sales. Are we going to talk about the uh, the, the toy, the vibrating ET finger? No, <laughs> absolutely not. What is wrong with you? It's a thing. It is a. It's thing. a thing. He's not wrong. It is a thing. It is a. It is a notorious thing now. It's. <laughs> it is a thing. All I'm going to say is that Spielberg learned his lesson from Lucas on the marketing side. He did. He, it was because ET was everywhere. It was. Yeah. Everywhere, well, Reese's Pieces generated over. I think that this brought like something sixty-five percent boost in sales to 
Reese's or Reese's. You me. said you it. almost oh, got wow. slapped. <laughs> I had the pimp hand out. Man. I'm yeah. gonna go get my boxing gloves. That was intentional. <laughs> that was intentional. The Reese's. Oh yeah, sixty five product. I mean, it just Absolutely literally saved the product. Bloomed them. Um, Kenner was a big promotion of the the ET plush toy, which right. sold everywhere. Right, right. Um, the figurines, all this other. Um, the there's a company called. <laughs> I have a bootleg ceramic ET here. Yes, from Dave's been taking pictures with yeah, it. Yeah, this is from 19. It, this is funny. I found this in a. Uh, a thrift store a few years ago and I think I nice. paid like a dollar for it or something because I was like <laughs> this is one of those things where like you guys those of you listening can't see it but I have a ceramic Darth Vader light yes. that was a bootleg deal that was done like one of my family members made that yeah. one for me this one I picked up just a few years ago I've had that Darth Vader light forever this was made by I'm, I'm just going to say it because I don't know who this person is this was made because on the bottom of it you know, if you've ever done ceramics, you know, before you like you fire your, it, you can get yeah. your name, you know, whatever. In 1983, this so, was made by Don Lacey, whoever the that year is. year after the movie the came out. The year after the movie came out. And I have this ugly piece of ceramic. It's actually, <laughs> for being a bootleg, it looks pretty good, actually. It's funny how... Dawn, if you're listening, I know, it would be amazing if, if Dawn was listening. <laughs> hey, I, mean, it, I did get it here in Nashville, so I mean, there is a possibility she's still around these parts, you know. Uh, but yeah, but it's just, it, I I saw that, and I was like, I have to buy it, because it's it's something you're not, not going to run it. across I'm very often, you. you know. Well, so, as I was mentioning, um, there's a company called Kuahara, I think I'm pronouncing that right, they're a bicycle manufacturer. They actually released the ET version of Elliot's bike. And okay. sold it, and it was it have the hugely popular. even though most of those bikes were mongoose. I know, and, yeah, yeah. I know, uh, I know, I know. What was the other big BMX company besides? Uh, oh, it was well, Huffy was made the Huffy mongoose. mongoose and well, was, Huffy made the mongoose, like the KT or something like it that. It was uh, I forget what the other one was. I I had a all of the I models had, were also in BMX bandits. Had the uh, the the basket on the front of it, which was basically nothing but than a milk carton. It was yeah, a exactly. milk carton. It was, it was totally homemade. Yep. We all tried to do it. I had oh, yeah. I had a, a Huffy mongoose. At one point, yeah. And um, uh, okay. <laughs> Funny thing about that, like that, the 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 bicycle chase scene at the mm-hmm. end of it. Totally not an eight year old kid on that bike. No, nowhere close. <laughs> no, nowhere close to an eight year old. If I remember, the, if I remember the stories right, they actually hired some BMX. Oh yeah, riders no, to dude. come in and do all. Well, of that. When they're chasing him, foot and a half. Yeah, when they're chasing the and you and you look at Elliot. They, yeah, he is. He's like he's like a good foot and a half taller than, than <laughs> what he should be. Um, so, well, just to talk about the cultural impact mm-hmm. on this, this movie has been viewed by everybody. Um, when he was president, Ronald Reagan oh, yeah. and Nancy Reagan mm-hmm. uh, were totally moved by it to actually release a letter back to Steven Spielberg because of it. It's said that when Princess Diana watched this movie, she openly wept because of it. I mean, it was screened for the United Nations. Right, right. I mean, it's just ridiculous how many people have seen this. Yeah, but for the United Nations, it was like, look, you jerks. This is not <laughs> how you treat aliens when they come to the planet. This is how you get well, interplanetary you know, we've war. Well, you know, we've also seen the pictures of Michael Jackson with the E.T. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. It was that type of phenomenon. It crossed so I can, many boundaries. I can tell you yeah. where I was at and what movie theater I went to. We were still in Michigan and it was that little movie theater up on the square and the two movies I remember seeing in that movie theater was E.T. and Six Pack. 
Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Kenny Rogers. Kenny nice. Rogers. Um, I saw it at Cinema North, and you guys nice. know exactly what I'm talking about. Because it's yeah, which is now a church, which apparently yeah. every abandoned uh, movie theater around here turns into a church. Eventually. No, it doesn't. Not the not Cinema not Rivergate South 8. is now an Aldi. Okay, I know Rivergate Eight hasn't been co-opted yeah. yet, but um, um, so square footage man. Square yeah, footage. I, know, I know. So I know we don't talk about it often on these, but let's talk about the awards for this for just a moment because this was up for Academy a Awards. bunch of them. It was yes. actually nominated for nine. Academy Awards that year. And how many did it win? I think it won like two. Yeah, I was but it was up for the biggie. It was up for movie, you know, right. the, the best film, and it lost to Gandhi. Now here's the funny thing: Richard Attenborough politics. The, no, 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 no. Richard Attenborough, the director of Gandhi, later stated he fully expected to lose to ET. Well, he was preparing to lose to that movie because he said it was that good. He should have. I've seen Gandhi. It's not that great of a film. It's a little long. It's like Forrest Gump. But There's nothing wrong with Forrest Gump. You shut your filthy mouth. And and as if you look at the movies it was up against for Best right, Picture that right. year, it did not deserve to win. Okay. <laughs> and I know we've talked about um, you know the 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 National Registry. The it National did Film not Registry. deserve to win Best Picture in in 1994. Okay. This is another movie that of course has been added to the National Film Registry, mm-hmm. and. Um, I try never to look at BFI stuff because it's I know. it's so subjective, but it was this is one of the BFI top, yeah you one mean, of the top BFI uh, no BFI actually British Film Institute oh okay oh. Um, not the American film no Institute. not the American Film Institute but this was rated number eight the the difference is that the American Film Institute has guns where the British Institute does not have guns no they have walkie talkies that's right <laughs> <laughs> and they also they're more snooty yeah exactly. Speaking which, which of the walkie-talkies, <laughs> all right. For those of you that have no idea what we're talking about with the walkie-talkies on this, let's get into it. The 20th anniversary. Of okay, it. let's get into it. This is what happened. In 1997, which was the 20-year anniversary of Star Wars, George Lucas decided he wanted to go back in and fix all of his movies. You mean screw them up and, and add a and, bunch of garbage And put be them there? back in theaters, and they were highly successful. So his buddy Steven Spielberg said, hey... The 20th anniversary of, of uh, E.T. is coming up in a couple of years. I could do the same thing. I could do the same thing. And since I don't, I want this to be more of a kid's film, let's take all the guns out digitally and put walkie-talkies in. Now, anyone that's ever seen something change digitally knows that it's never 100%. It looks so odd. And we and- all know the government does not come to your house with walkie-talkies. They come to your house with guns. They kick the door in at 6 a.m. when you're still in bed and... <laughs> And well, but that and was and, and, sp- and, and, and black bag you and carry exactly. off never to be seen again. Exactly. You know who shows up at your house with walkie-talkies? Hmm. British government. That's true. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny. But they always look down their nose at you while you, you're doing something. It, so Dave so mentioned on this before. <laughs> a huge, stupid-looking, fuzzy hat. Exactly. All right. <laughs> something you mentioned beforehand, Dave, on this. Um, the character. I can't remember which one of the guys that was wearing the terrorist costume. Yeah. That's changed as well. It's changed from the terrorist costume to the hippie costume oh really yes okay, i can't make that up i'm like so okay All right, well, hold i'm on, glad hold voodoo has hold the copy hold on hold on hold on let's talk about with. something real quick before we go into this yep so do you think the creators of stranger things watched this movie before they decided what dustin was going to wear once or twice <laughs> oh no 
Stranger Things is a complete callback to all the stuff that we when, love, including they borrowed clothing I from know. that 70s show but, for oh the yeah. kids. But story. when, when uh, that was, I, I started laughing when they're showing those kids and they're like, and he's like, meet us at the playground, you know, whatever. And he puts on the headphones and he's got the trucker hat yeah. and, oh yeah. and the, uh, the, vest. The, the vest. I'm like, dude, that's straight up Dustin's outfit right there. So. <laughs> no, I mean, the guy, let's, let's call it the guys from Stranger oh, Things. Know, they, it, they are totally they, they playing were, on the Remember well, Berry. With all of our stuff, no way that you I couldn't. I, I love them for it because they did it correctly. Exactly, yeah, well. and and honestly, there's no way that you could Sometimes. make that series and not have some kind of nods to to ET. I know. I know. I mean, I that was it. such an well, actual I mean, thing. Well, I mean, the the, the opening, frame. basically, the opening scene of Stranger, or well, not the opening scene of Stranger, the, the first episode of Stranger Things, but when they're at Which the season? house, the first season okay. of Stranger Things, yeah. the when D&D they're at that, they're playing D and D. That is lifted straight from this movie, and yep. then they go I mean, out and hop on the bike. Exactly. Yep. I mean it. And let's be honest, this was our childhood. Yeah, we were well, either playing board games or D and D or whatever, and then you knew where everybody was because of the 14 billion bicycles that were dumped in the front yard. I was, well, and you were I was, usually hanging out with them anyway. So. Right. I was never a nerd like you guys, so it was like I didn't play D&D. So. You just weren't invited. <laughs> anyway. Um. Actually, it was very sheltered. Very, very sheltered. No, my yeah. parents would have had a conniption fit if they found out I was playing D&D. <laughs> See? Very, very sheltered. Uh, all right. I, so, my parents, too. I just never got caught. Yeah, well. So, you know how I, 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 <laughs> Dave, fighting the power. I know. Well, you know, in every one of these episodes, I've always talked about it. Sequels. Dark Skies. So. <laughs> Do you know about this, Dave? Yeah. No. Go ahead. Don't. Go ahead. So, of E.T.'s biggest movie on the planet. So, of course, the theaters are the, they're like, hey, we got to have a sequel. Oh, no. Spielberg was involved and he, they, it was him and who was the other writer? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. They came up with a sequel called that was called Dark Skies. Okay. Yep. Completely different movie than this. Mm-hmm. Completely. Basically, was it, it wasn't his, it wasn't his species, it was another alien species who was chasing, yes, he was, was chasing their him. species, come to Earth and decide, oh, we can take this place over. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically it would have been set in the E.T. universe, but However, not, mm-hmm. There is actually an unofficial sequel to this. It's is a it short Dark film. Sky? Oh, no, it's not Dark Sky. Oh, that's right. There's a short film. That's There's right. a short film that's that was right. released in 2019. Uh, it actually came out during the Macy's Day Parade, the Thanksgiving Day Macy's Day Parade. Okay. In uh, November 28, 2019. And it was a four minute commercial. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah. yeah. It was called A Holiday Reunion. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah. where he comes back and visits Elliot. Yeah, yeah as, an as an adult. I thought it was right, a Super right. Bowl commercial. Though. No, it was. It, it was. It was. It was, it was. Yeah, it was before the Super oh, Bowl. Because okay. it was a hol- It was a holiday. You I, know. I kind of want to see Dark Skies now. Well, that sounds the funny ter- thing. That sounds wonderfully terrible. Right. And the funny thing about that is that, you know, there was a series on, was it TNT called Dark Spot Skies? Dark Skies, yeah. That was produced by Steven Spielberg about an alien invasion. Yeah. So I. I've never read anything that said one, it was a direct line to it, mm-hmm. but it definitely was inspired by the idea. My so. question is, if they were being chased by another alien species, why didn't they bring it up in the council with the rest of the... <laughs> All right. Since Let's talk door, about it. Okay. You've opened the door. So, in, in The Phantom Menace, episode one, The Phantom Menace, in the yes. Senate chamber... There, when you're seeing all of the the senators from the different planets and the galaxies and everything, there are two. In the bottom right, four. Bo- is there four? There's okay, four there in that box. Four e- of the species that ET is. Down. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, 
That goes back to at Halloween, they're walking and there's someone dressed as Yoda. Yep. And E.T. Says, instantly home, recognizes home, him. Yeah, home. And turns around and starts, starts following trying the kid, like him, trying yeah. to follow him. It's like, okay, so that means that this world of E.T. takes place in the Star Wars universe. Yes, yes <laughs> it does. And there is a movie yeah. about Star Wars because there are Star Wars figures all over this thing. And yeah. when there's Greedo, there's Hammerhead, there's Bobble. And E.T.'s like, <laughs> going, oh, I know him. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know him. Yeah. Oh, I know him. <laughs> That's Phil. That's exactly. Steve. What are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have a small picture of Steve? I know, exactly. <laughs> did, you, did you see how he kind of frowned when he goes, that's Boba Fett, and he kind of mm, yeah, does that like, no. brow? You can make him fight. <laughs> it's like, he's oh like, oh. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, and actually, so another appearance, which again goes back to the theory of you know, is he a force if, user? No. What if Han Solo was frozen in carbonite and then was thawed out in the 1920s and became Indiana Jones? I well, mean, it would it explain was, uh, why um, <laughs> the Star Wars happened in a galaxy long ago. That'd still in be a up. galaxy far, far away. Well, that, that, that would explain why C three PO and R two D two are on the Ark of the, on the, Ark of the Covenant. Or they're not on the Ark of the Covenant; they're on no, the, 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 the hieroglyphics. Yeah, in the back it, the it would still be a better story than the Ryan Johnson Star Wars. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, All right, so something wrong, else so. something else I want to talk about that was a big part of my childhood. In Universal Studios Florida, mm-hmm. they actually the E.T. Ride. In 1990, mm-hmm. they they did make the E.T. the the E.T. Adventure is what it was called. And it was this really unique concept of a ride. It was the first time I'd ever seen anything like this. The whole process, it was a dark ride. You're basically mm-hmm. you get on a bicycle that are clustered together. So right. everyone's riding a bicycle and you're following E.T. You know, through the skies and around the town and everything. But the coolest thing about it was at the end of the ride, when you got off the bike and started to walk out, E.C. E.T. said goodbye to you. E.C.W. said E.C.W. 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 <laughs> you needed a wrestling reference in this one, I know. But uh, E.T. would say Bring goodbye to you, bell. but he would say it to your first name. Oh, that's cool. That was the first time uh, I'd ever heard of anything like that happen. It was so creepy because you're walking out. Goodbye, Barry. Oh, well, that was oh, weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's real. He's real. <laughs> Let's talk about E.T., the actual puppet suit whatever yes. it is okay it is both the best and worst thing about this movie oh yeah and i say that as it of course i was coming back in it having not seen the movie in close to 40 years mm-hmm. okay um and being like oh yeah i remember this being really like the et the e. himself looking really good yep. and you know what for 1982 he did yeah but there are also times in this movie where it's like oh dude they really they really should have. They really should have like not put him full on screen as much as they did. Oh yeah, you know I mean because because yeah. it, it really does start kind of falling apart after a little while. Right. No, I thought the animatronics in the bodysuit no, were amazing. They they were, like I said they were great tech technologically. Yeah. But there are times where it's like oh yeah I'm a little goes a long way on this. Yeah, you know? and I mean it was a a unique shape. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was nothing like that had ever been put out into into movies beforehand to show, you know, this is an alien. This right. is what an alien's supposed to look like. Right. So I'll give them props on that for coming up with something clever and creative. I still don't understand why they made him look like a testicle. But, well, you know. There, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, I'm sorry, you can't deny that, Dave. I mean, it was, it's not a flattering bodysuit. Okay? They, you know, um, 
they 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 made some choices, and, and and when I say they made some choices, I'm not saying that as a. I'm not saying that as derogatory. Right. I mean, they made some choices, and they made some good choices in some of the stuff. Uh, I really like what they did with his feet. Yes, and you the know, neck. And the yeah. neck was a great movement on that because I'll tell you the problem with the neck though. Hmm. There's a couple of times in this thing where the neck goes up and the head kind of leans to the side. Oh yeah, you can tell it's a little way too top heavy. It's, it's a little like, top heavy, yeah. <laughs> and that's another one of those. As well as they did with with, with creating ET, right. there were there were issues, you know. And that's, well, yeah, and there again, that be, goes back you know. to my whole. They might have put him in, and of course, you know, the terrible green screen <clears throat> stuff. But again, 1982, whatever. Uh, 82, it was blue screen. But again, it's 82. I mean, it's like even from the beginning, because like when the government agents show up after, you know, he's left behind, when they're showing the neighborhood in the background, obvious green screen of them, or blue screen, uh, of of the silhouettes of of the agents in front of it. It's like, oh yeah, that that sticks out. You know, when he's flying through the air. You know, or when they're, when you're it's, that tight, right. oh, it's, it's, it's bad. It's not as bad as some of the blue screen. I agree. In some of the movies at the same time. I agree. I agree. Yeah. You know, and, and, or when he makes the, the Play-Doh go up in the oh, air yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. kind of the stuff. There's, blobs, yeah. there, there's, or, you know, there's, there's several things where it's like, okay, but again, it's 1982. Right. And I, I never thought about that whatsoever no, back I agree. then. You know, so, I mean, yeah, it, it's a. I went into this movie kind of skeptical. Mm-hmm. I really did. I I went into this movie thinking this could wind up being another never-ending story. No, you know? it totally well, holds it, up. It, it is. It is not okay. Yeah. Um. As I said, I have not seen this. This last night was the first time I'd seen this movie in close to forty years. Okay? Right. Um. And I didn't know how. I did not know how it was going to, to affect me, you know. Mm-hmm. And there are, and I, I, I told Barry the story before you got here. I was sitting there last night. It was almost ten o'clock. You know, I'm laying in bed and I'm watching it. You know, and I'm and like that scene, like when they're back at the house and they order the pizza, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh wow, pizza sounds really good. Subliminal and, messaging. Yeah. And I little I ordered a pizza and I am paying for it today because <laughs> it's it's one of those things that like it's not that I haven't had pizza in the last 5 months but in those of you listeners in the last 5 months I've been really watching what I eat you know and that kind of stuff. Yeah. This was the first time in a good long time that I ordered just out of that sounds good rather than I was hungry. Yeah. And it it's one of those things where it's like I woke up today dehydrated and, and all kinds because I hating also because I also ordered a, a, a Mountain Dew you know and that kind of stuff and I'm just like I'm not really hating life but it's just like oh yeah there's a reason why I don't eat junk late at night anymore because I wake up feeling terrible the next pieces. day yeah, well, I'm telling you that uh, but, but it was it was one of those things where it was like in a lot of ways, this movie was watching this movie last night was comfort food in a lot of yeah, ways I could see that you know yeah, and, and there, I, I gotta say this Henry Thomas is amazing in this movie because so many times yeah. child actors come off as child actors. Yeah. He didn't. He actually emoted. There are moments in this where it's just like, no, I believe that that is a kid who is going through all this stuff. Drew Barrymore. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, the guy she's not, Michael. Yeah, I know. But Drew Barrymore is not in this a whole lot because she is a supporting character. But right. I'm sorry. I will forever say that a five-year-old Drew Barrymore in that scene when she first meets E.T., the when scream, she screams, the yeah. scream. is one of the most realistic portrayals of a child on film I have ever seen. Oh, yeah. 
you know, where it's, she screams, and I love this scene, like, when she initially screams, and then they're trying, of course, the mom's at home, they're trying to get her to shut up, and they pull her into the closet, and she turns around, and he's there, he's, and she screams, and he screams, and they're running off screen, you know, it's just like, no, that's exactly how a five-year-old kid yes. would react in that situation, yep. and then she calms down, and she starts asking questions, the way a five-year-old kid yep. asks questions. Yep. I will forever say that Spielberg, when he is at his best, Knows how to work with children. Not only knows how to work with children, but knows how to capture childhood. Oh, yeah. yeah. On film. Oh, yeah. Okay? No doubt. Um, one question I do have about this. Was this shot in the same neighborhood as Poltergeist? Because they look uh, an awful dead lot on. alike. That's a good question. They I look um, dead And now, on. here's the I thing. They know. both came out at the same time. They were both in production at the same time. Yes. Um, both Spielberg both had a Spielberg, hand in both of them. And supposedly, Spielberg, supposedly, Toby Hooper directed... We'll get into Poltergeist, that. but there's a whole when October Fest rolls around, we're going to hold a whole episode. But but yes, th- there have been rumors for years that Spielberg actually directed that movie, and because it, it's got Spielberg's fingerprints, depends all on which, over. Yeah, it depends it, on so. which of the actors, yeah. I, I, know. I, th- I think Poltergeist and ET probably happened a block and a half over from mm-hmm. each other because which they is, look like the exact when, same when neighborhood. They, when they start, first started going into the neighborhood, I had to check with the credentials on Voodoo. Was like, did I accidentally download I know, Poltergeist? I know, I know, well, I know, but. It just, but I think that actually speaks to something on this, though. Even if they weren't, the fact that they look so much alike. I know. That ought to tell you what our neighborhoods look like in 82. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. oh, they no, were no. so This was the suburbs you know, like you wouldn't believe. Cookie cutter I mean, suburb. Yeah. I mean, this could be anywhere. See, it now, really could. Now, if you watch a film 30 years from now, from this time period, the house will be like four foot wide and 125 feet tall with right. like 16 stories on it. On like a, an eighth of a, an acre of land. Only yeah. if it was it's filmed in Nashville. <laughs> now all over. It's not just here. No, it's not just here. Those, those tall and skinnies have invaded. And it'll be surrounded by 87,000 IRS agents going, where's my money? <laughs> holding walkie-talkies. Holding, holding no, walkie-talkies. No, no, no. These will be no. full-on M4s. No, 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 no. These are the new IRS agents okay. who are tasked to, hey, are you okay with firing on U.S. citizens if you need to? All right. Okay, so <laughs> before we go down that rabbit hole, we would be remiss if we did not touch base on one albatross that hangs around the neck of E.T., the 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 image of it. And that Ouch. is the Atari 2600 <laughs> game. Oh, the landfill game. Yes. The most hated wait, wait. Game, video game in wait for history. It. Go ahead. Pull it out, Alan. I'm going to take a picture of it for the Instagram. I don't have it in this room. It's in a box. We'll, we'll you don't it. have it. Uh, we'll get it. We'll get I think, it. And I'll be honest, I'm not 100% sure I actually have it anymore. <laughs> so so this, I did have it, yeah. So but. so just to touch base on this, that you know, Atari 2600 was the premier gaming system at, at the that time. time. And they decided to make a video game. Atari decided to front this in for Christmas of 82. Mm-hmm. So it would have come out right after the big rush for E.T. So everybody yeah. knew it was right at they the perfect moment. Yeah, and they... This is... Go ahead. Yeah. And, and, just. So it, and it was a huge seller. They oh, sold yeah. a ton of these things. Yeah. However, this... And then people started playing them. Yes. That <laughs> yes. was the problem. Well, uh, they, they were s- only given six weeks to yeah. create it. And it was glitchy, and it was well, problematic, and it was impossible to play. When, when you look at your game selections, and it's Asteroids and Circus and E.T., and the Asteroids game is broken, 
you, you chose circuits over this game every yes. time. It, it, so this is not good. I remember playing as a kid and being like, what the hell am I supposed to be doing here? This you know? game holds a couple of records. Number now, one, again, yep. they did do something very realistic on that. Yes. Every once in a while, a government agent will come Stop in and take you it. away. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <it's>, Stop it. <laughs> so, as I said, this particular video game holds a couple of records. First off, it did have one of the highest record recorded sales of opening weekend mm-hmm. for it. Once it came out, everybody wanted to get a copy. Did it also have the highest record number of returns yes, to the store? Yes, to this day. It absolutely yep. did. Because this was back in an so era. Bad, man. Well, this well, was, was back, back in an era, era when they would take them back. You could yeah. return video games. Right. And that was the problem is that so many people bought this thing, got it home, played it, hated it, mm-hmm. and returned it back to the store. And then the stores are looking at each other going, what the hell are we going to do with this? So they now? sent them back to Atari. Who, again, looked at each other and said, we can't repurpose these. We can't reuse these. What are we going to do with them? So they went into a landfill in Arizona. Yes. <laughs> where they should have stayed. And they did until 2007-15? Something like 14, that. 14, 15. They so found them. If anyone, if any of our listeners has not seen this and is not familiar with it, Alan and I have talked a little bit about this on Game on the Over. Yeah. There is a great documentary called Game Over that talks about not just the history of this game, but specifically the history of Atari. Well, the final days of Atari. Well, the, the, the rise and fall. The rise and fall More of on Atari. The fall, yeah. But it, and it just so happens Alan's wearing an Atari t-shirt right now, which even makes it better. But uh, not? Yeah, I know. But to really, truly appreciate how bad this was, how horrendously so bad. bad of a game this was. I would encourage all of our listeners to go out and watch this and give it a, a, a legit you know, viewing. And just remember, this was back in an era where these games were not cheap. No. Um, Atari okay. games usually started, what, 40, 50 bucks? It depends. Like, yeah. You could buy some of them $20, $30. Yeah. Depending on what it was. But still, that's but, $20, $30 in 82 months. Which... We we know that in eighty two money today is about three times. Yeah. So you're tight. So if if you buy a game for twenty bucks, sixty there at sixty today. bucks. So you're looking days. at anywhere between which is about 60. what you're paying for a video game these days anyway. True. Yeah. But but this some game, of the Atari game. games were a higher oh, yeah. price point. Oh yeah. Pitfall yeah. was one of the, a lot of the oh, Activision absolutely. stuff. You know, the Activision and stuff, this absolutely. was one of them because they're like ET is a cash cow. We're going to make as much off this as yeah. possible, and they did. They were in that $40 price range. Yep. Extrapolate that out. That's $120, yeah. kids. Okay. But here's the thing. This is the game. This game right here is the, the reason the why. Is the reason this why is not all video games. Okay. All right. Hold on. Before are, you say All it, sales are final on yes. video yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, that is okay, true. There that is, is that. true. I was, what I was getting ready to say is this game unfairly. I mean, it has its it has its point. It's it's plain, yeah. but this game unfairly is blamed for bringing down for the video game crash of '83. Well, no, specifically that's, the that's, fall of Atari, not the yeah. video game crash. Well, that was not what I was going to say. Yeah, and what you guys kept running over me. I, oh, I know. Like, this I know. is the re- this game right here is the reason why you and cannot way, return, return video games, games right, anymore. Right, right. The name of the town was Alamogordo. Alamogordo. Arizona, and it was yeah. in 24. Or was it Ari- was it Arizona or uh, New, Mexico? New Mexico? New Mexico. New Mexico. Alamogordo, New Mexico. That's right. New Mexico. The the dig that they went back was in 2014. 14. That's what it was. Because um, that because it was that was a rumor for the longest time. Like they couldn't corroborate it, and then some people said, "Hey, we're going to go 
we think we know about where and and it's kind of interesting because it was someone who worked there yeah and there all was those really years no ago, records to be found was like no was. i remember when that happened yep. it was kind of over in this area and they and, were bringing apparently bringing in trucks by just like oh they kept constant and it wasn't just et cartridges it, it no, was there a were whole others, bunch of other stuff the predominant it, one was et yeah because and, and of the return again this was a without getting into an atari episode here which is something we may need to do at some point oh yeah but Atari had a real quality control issue because they anybody could make an Atari game. Yep. And there was a lot of crap that got put out because of it. Yep. And so in that ET and then their port of Pac-Man, which was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Pac- I, I had it. I played it. Yeah, I played it too I because it, I had it. But know? it was it wasn't it was eh. It it wasn't it just wasn't eight Pac- bit. It was bad. Eight it bit. wasn't Pac Man. I'm yeah. sorry. It just wasn't. Uh, which is really funny because it like a year after that, Ms. Pac Man came to Atari right. Twenty Six Hundred, and it looked like Ms. Pac Man. Right. You know. Yep. Um. But there was a combination of things that led to Atari. You know, the downfall and all video games. I mean, even to right. the point where like when Nintendo. The first, the reason the Nintendo, the NES is called the Nintendo Entertainment System is because the stigma of video games was so bad that they did not want to put video game system on there. Yeah, and they they basically saved the home video game. Market yeah, right. in 1985. Well, but anyway, we're so we're in. To, go ahead. I, I have it. one more note on this as far as an appearance of ET, and it's as of this year, as a matter of fact, in 2022, okay. the the Oh, so popular film Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I have not seen this. I've I, heard either, I but I, either. I've read up about this, and now I want I've heard to. that it's actually something worth watching. I've this, seen so. the trailer. It this looks is hysterical. Yeah. Well, this is going to hit Dave where he lives. There is a scene in this where ET fights Batman. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> I'm down for that. Force using alien against rich playboy philanthropist. Superhero. Apparently, there's a billboard in this movie at some point that shows ET fighting guy, Batman. Bruce, I'm, why why are you dressed like Batman? Because he is Batman, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> I'm nice down. Task, I, nice I would watch back. that. Yeah. All right. So just to kind of wrap everything up on this, guys, is it still rewatchable? Absolutely. I I, I definitely. Agree. I. The original. I'm not ashamed is to rewatchable. say. It. In 1982, when I was sitting in the theaters, I cried my eyes out watching this movie. Last night, about 11:30 in the evening, I'm sitting watching this movie, crying my eyes yeah. out. Yep. Watch, I mean, just yeah. you know, and it was one of those things where it's like, I was not expecting. I, I honestly, I was not expecting this film to hold up. I right. was fully expecting to come yeah. in here and like, there's a reason why I was not as snarky on my. You know, I know there was some snark in there but i was like i can't be snarky about this film because this hits me exactly well, where i yeah. live, you were talking you know? let's go back and to the it, john williams thing for a minute yeah because yes. we haven't gone back oh, to john. oh the music the the that one build up where he's getting on the spaceship and it's building 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 no, 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 building no, no, no. Building, well, building building and then all of a sudden it goes into that real da, da, delicate da, 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 uh, yeah. yeah i know it's well no the the, the bicycle scene the bicycle when scene. He, oh they, yeah they they do that drop when you know when he, they take off. Of course, you get the iconic them flying past the moon. The moon, you know, yeah. But that's when that movie that that music hit. Yeah. And I was and I was just like, oh, warm warm fuzzies, warm yeah. fuzzies, yeah. oh, warm fuzzies. Well, you know, this is and, this, and there's I, a reason why my, John, my heart lit up. I there, turned on my hot lights. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's, I mean there's, that's a great one. But that that build up because you expect to get the big pop on the end mm-hmm. of the build up, yeah. and it immediately drops the volume off. Yeah, it goes know, into that real delicate. Yeah. 
soft. I know it. it I I was not expecting to like I, this movie I will say as much as I did. If you can find the original cut, not yes, the 20th no, anniversary. Yeah. Voodoo, I watched, Voodoo I watched has the original it, cut. Yeah. So Voodoo has the original cut right now. Okay. Um, I think it was like four dollars and change for a well, rental. You know totally what was really funny? It. About totally it. worth it. What was really funny about it is that when they released that DVD in 2002, when they were um. Um, they were going to release the Blu-ray mm-hmm. some years later. And Steven Spielberg was at a panel, I think it was at, at San Diego Comic-Con, when he announced that he, they were going to do it. Right. And he was like, so let me ask you a question. How many of you E.T. fans want to see the original cut? And the place went nuts. Yeah. And then it was like, how many want to see the 2002 cut? And almost nobody said anything. He's like, well, I guess the fans have, said, have spoken. Yeah, so no kidding. It's like, it's like, yeah, we all know... The government comes to your house with guns, uh, not walkie-talkies, uh, to take what they want. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I and I think it's not just that; it's also the and idea sometimes with a very broad search warrant, you're already so. <laughs> dealing with something that has a little bit. Let, Wait, you've got a search warrant? Yeah. Oh, you know, that's the thing. That's the other thing with this. There is no search warrant. They just show up. They come in in uh. spacesuits. Yeah, which and was odd. I, I thought know. that was funny too. I well, mean, it, it not just, only that, but the night before they broke into the house because they, they yes, waited for the mother they, to they leave. They waited for her to leave, yep. and then they went in and broke without any permission whatsoever. And it was like four or five carloads. I of know, agents, I know. Which it just did anybody else think that was kind of strange that these guys in these like Tyvek space suits come walking out of like a Chevy Caprice class? Yeah, I know. It just seemed weird. <laughs> well, it's the government. It, you know, everything's last not last dollar funded. Well, That's yeah, true. but it just seems like you would wait to get there to dress up, not put the stuff on and then get in the car i just thought that was kind of strange eh, you well know. You, you know because radiation oh well yeah there you know this kid's been living with this thing for what four or five days and yeah no you know we got to take a chance on radiation. and yet exactly. there were people that weren't in suits that were with them i, thought I that know was, it just, just it's like why well, are you guys you know that's actually that was closer oh, to the oh, real government than anything i've seen in a while scene, they thought they were going to a gallagher show or something that scene know. right afterwards where they're where it's, zone. where it's they're walking down the street yeah, and it's it, it's all backlit with the sun oh, setting. It was almost like a march. I know, yeah. and they're and they're rolling that that uh, that uh, plastic the, tu- in, yeah. the tunnel, and uh, it's like that was a, as a kid that was terrifying. Last night rewatching it, it was terrifying for a whole different reason. Yeah. but it was still like wow, that is that is a very effective scene. Oh yeah. Oh, I also I figured out something last night watching this movie. Yeah. Uh oh. Okay, we all know that J.J. Abrams loves Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. and is, has been trying to emulate him in everything whatsoever. Yeah, right. get something original, J.J. I figured out where J.J. Abrams found his his massive heart on for the lens flare. Oh, it's in this movie. Yeah, well, yeah, I believe movie. it. When he stays home from school, yep, and he's laying in bed, and the sun's in the background, you get that big lens flare mm-hmm. of him looking into the. Yeah, because I think it's like, oh, JJ, that right there, that's the origin story of JJ Abrams. I, right I don't there. think so. It's I a, don't think Spielberg used anamorphic lenses for this entire movie, but I think there were some instances he definitely used them mm-hmm. to get that lens flare. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, listen. To all of our listeners that are still staying with us after, you know, <laughs> Alan's rant about the government. And, you I'm know, telling you, they else. will come to your house with guns and take what they want and you will never be seen again. Check us out on Discord. That's the reason guys. why we never got it. That's the reason why we never got a sequel. Oh, the government took them away. They just dis- they disappeared. They're in a black site would somewhere. You stop. And did, that you, is- did you ever see him again after the final scene? No, that's what I'm saying. They they got lost in the forest somewhere. And that's the other thing. Okay, look, that's the other thing. Whenever they show up, uh, the mom, mm-hmm. Mary, and Peter Coyote, Mr. Keys, show up. 
Nobody, no other government agents. How the hell did that work? Yeah, well, you okay. Know. Oh, something else we didn't talk about. Uh oh. When he finally talks to Elliot, and he said, "I'm, I'm," it doesn't seem real or something like you know. It seems like yeah. a dream. And he says, "I've had the same dream since I was ten years old." That implies that he had met one of these creatures. That was previously. actually one of the rights that they did on this. Yeah, was to try to to say that this is not the first time that they've come into right. Earth. And I was like that. I again have not seen it, so I was like, "Oh, that yeah. okay." You know, it kind of goes back to the but, cloak and dagger yeah. episode where where yeah. he talks He's about ta- the, your the, dad. The adult had yeah, the same your thing. dad. You know, was you know we used to play. Well, all, you know. I mean, let's admit it: the government's full of a bunch of molders, and they're all there because something happened to them in their childhood that they went, "Something's not right here." We're not being told the truth by the government, so I'm going to join the government, figure out what the truth is, and then you're indoctrinated. Yeah. And then they give them guns and they come to your house and they take what they want. Exactly. So they were walkie-talkie. <laughs> Stop it. They're not British. <laughs> I, actually, they would come with guns and walkie-talkies. Yeah, well, there you go. So it's kind of hard to aim, you know? <laughs> well, that's what the the whole earpiece with the oh, well, there you throat go. mic. And there you go. Is. Yeah, well. All right, guys. Well, listen. If you've enjoyed this, if you haven't, if you've got opinions on ET, which we hope you do, please feel free to reach out to us on Discord. Send us an email. Hit us up on the Instas. You know, we're still waiting on our hate mail over the never-ending story. Oh, yeah, I'm sure really it's coming. Don't know. I'm I'm really, sure I was really coming. kind of surprised we didn't get any on that one, but I also think that a lot of people went back and rewatched that movie and realized what we said <laughs> was true. Well, so. I mean, it's it's hard to deny that. You know, it, I was actually talking, I told Alan a little bit about this before. Um, my my coworkers at, at my business and I were, were discussing this, and we've determined that if you ever want to traumatize a child, give them the back-to-back double feature of, you know, never-ending story and Watership Down. Oh, man, Watership Down. Yep, is, there you go. And if you really want to throw in the red badge of courage, you know, you can oh, truly traumatize a child. Where the red fern grows. Where the or red fern grows, yeah. Old Yeller. Either oh, one of those. Either no. one of those. Oh, sounder. Another, sounder. Sounder. There's the other one. Uh, I was trying to pull it. Yep, Sounder. Uh, there, there are plenty of those movies. It's like, hey, this is a great kids movie. Let's traumatize them for the rest of their lives. Well, that's what Disney has made their millions oh, of. Yeah. And Bambi. boys. Right straight off the bat, they kill his mom. Right yep. straight off the bat. Yep. So I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why the big giant rat's walking around down here in Florida. You know, he's, he's smiling because he's collecting those greenbacks. Jeez. By the way, you know this. We're, we're almost at the end of the summer. We are. We have one more movie left. Yes. So and it's one that we're going to go out on. That's going to be wonderful. I do believe. And so. it's definitely a polarizing movie. You either love this movie or you don't understand. Okay, you either love this movie or you're wrong. So well, I'm, it's you're not, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. But That's all I got to say about that. So tune right. in next week to find out what that is. I'm Alan Smith. Remember that the U.S. government will come to your Stop house it. with guns and take what they want and make you disappear forever. So I'm the other guy, Big Dave, and, and Alan's already about to get black bagged. <laughs> and I'm Barry, and I'm holding a walkie-talkie. <laughs> we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.